What's up, what's up, everybody? Um, it's your boy, Kendall K. Howard. Uh, glad you all can come join us today for the first episode of How You Doing? So um, in this show, uh, if you all remember like watching introduction video, this is a show basically where I have people come on, or sometimes, maybe, maybe sometimes I'll be by myself, just talking about current events, what's going on in the world. But usually when I have guests come on, it's more about them than it is more so about me. Just talking and getting to know more so about what they're doing, how they contribute to society, what, they're, what they think about what's going on in, in the world. It's like an open-based discussion, spotlight-type show. So, like how you see some people like do interviews, it's basically like one of those type shows. So, today, I'm very fortunate uh, for my very first guest to have a very close friend of mine, a guy who I can call my brother, actually, a uh, roommate, my, <laughs> my roommate, actually, as well. Um, this man, I mean, I'll let him introduce himself. He, he's a jack-of-all-trades. I've been known since we was kids. Uh, <laughs> back when we really hated each other, did not like each other, actually. <laughs> uh, so, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my first guest for How You Doing is uh, George Bell. George, go ahead, introduce yourself, man. Uh, hey, appreciate it, everybody. Should I look at the camera or should I just look at you? You can you look at me, you know, or that's, that's yours regardless. Cool. So. But, um, yeah, my name is Destin George Bell. Yeah, I'll go by my middle name and my first name just because I'm having a little existential crisis on which one to go by. So, you know, <laughs> for anybody who's never talked to me and doesn't know, you can just call me whichever one rolls off the tongue better. doesn't matter to me. But I'm a senior here at UK. I'm studying marketing. And I've been pretty involved around the community and just trying to have my influence and trying to help people achieve their dreams. And, yeah, I just try to do a lot of stuff, jack-of-all-trades, like you said. Okay, so, um, like you say, I have mentioned, like, you be being a jack-of-all-trades. And, I, like I said, I've been knowing you, like, me, you go way back. Like, we, this is like a, a decade-long friendship right here. And this, it's weird saying that because we're young. Like, we're like 21 years old. I mean, that is like half our life. And it, so. it is. Literally, <laughs> literally, it is half our life. Like, just thinking about it in that context. And, like, it's I, from watching how you've grown and how, like, we just growing up with each other. Like, like I said, we grew up, like, not even liking each other. We really didn't like each other that much until we moved in with each other, actually. Like, we, we was cordial. In high school. We, we was acquaintances. We was acquaintances in high school. We was friends of friends. Like, we always knew of each other. But as we got in college, we, we kind of, like, got a stronger bond. And, like, I say, like, just watching you grow as a person, and, like, it, it kind of helped me as well as, like, growing into a person I am. Because, like, I'm the type of person who, yeah, I like to learn on my own, but I also like learning from, like, watching other people. Like, that's how I learned from just watching some people I uh, grew up, like, idolizing, like, Stephen A. Smith, Charlemagne, the guy, Kevin Hart, Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson, those people. I, like, grew up watching and emulating those people. So, I like, having a person like you, like, living with you and, like, seeing the journey you went from when I first got here, you was a sophomore and I was a freshman, got to get a year off, and, like, to now where you're about to graduate this semester and seeing the path that you have taken, it inspired not only me, but it obviously inspired others. Like, so talk about... Matter of fact, just tell me your story, how you feel like you developed your work ethic and how you got to the point where you are right now. Well, you know, and it's kind of funny that we're doing this now when talking about that because I actually got my first real taste of what it looked like to be a highly effective person and working hard towards your goals from the late Kobe Bryant. Um, going on about a week now since he passed, which is still an emotional thing for me. But definitely he was the first person that I looked up to and thought, wow, that guy is a killer. And I just wanted to emulate everything he did. And obviously that started off as a basketball player when I tried, but I realized I was going to be 5'8", unathletic forever, so I couldn't go as far as he did. But mm -hmm. that work ethic that he showed, it was something that could carry over universally to business, to entrepreneurship, to writing, to 
helping other people to just being your best version of you every day and making sure that before the sun sets, you're a better person than you were when it rose. And um, really just emulating him, like you said, looking up to people that um, have emulated that same work ethic and hustle and grind and ambition. And that was my father as well, my mother, a lot of other people, so, too many for me to mention, but I forget, I'm sorry if I forget anybody, but just a lot of people who helped give me that visualization of what it looked like to succeed and work hard. Now, I know um, your main venture that you are right now, you consider yourself an entrepreneur, a student, a student, how you say it? Studentpreneur. Studentpreneur, <laughs> as you pronounce it. Um, that's something that, from what we talked about, it's something that you've been like interested in, in since you was a child. Like how, oh, yeah. how did that interest in entrepreneurship come about? Really, it started off from being broke and being too young to get an actual job. Because I was 10 years old, and I would like to say my economic status, we were well off enough that I had everything I needed. So I never woke up thinking, will I eat today? Will I have lights? Even would I have access to my phone? Because I always had those things. But right. then in terms of the things I wanted, like I want an Xbox. I want this jersey. I want those shoes. My parents said, well, okay, how are you going to get the money to get those? And it's pretty much been like that since I was a little kid. And I remember I was five, seven years old, and I would have old toys, and I would take my mom's pop-up tables that she would have because she was an event coordinator. So she had all these tables in our garage, and I would go in there, and I would steal the tables, bring it out to the front yard, pop them up, take my old toys, and I would just try to sell them on the street. didn't work out that well. She said I took it to heart that people would just drive past me because we were on a dead-end street, and I would just do it in a random day, part of the day. And people would never stop. And I was taxing. I was charging like $50 for a half-broken, you know, Spider-Man toy. Didn't realize, <laughs> didn't recognize the concept of supply and demand Man. as a kid. I just figured <laughs> if I had it on a table and I put a number, people would pay that. But started off there. Then as I got older, older, as in like middle school, uh, my mom got a job selling candy. And she would get these free samples. And she would have literally full packages of Chips Ahoy, Sour Patch Kids, Snickers, stuff like that. And I mean, they were free. And at first I was eating them, but then I realized I'm broke. And school lunch is terrible. And I can sell these for free. And I would literally bring a second backpack to school where I would have the candy in there and I would sell them for a dollar a pop. And I would make like $25, $30 a day off of selling those. And on top of that, since I didn't pay for them, it was just pure profit. And once I started doing that, that was my real first taste in entrepreneurship. I realized, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I like this. Like, this is nice because I'm in control of what I want to do. I'm getting to help people at the same time, making money for myself, doing it on my time. And it was a euphoric, cathartic feeling that I just wanted to keep feeling. And between cutting grass and starting my first business called Life Off You and doing some of the stuff I've been doing now and now kind of moving into a position where I'm trying to empower students to take that same route. It's just been an experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. And it's something I love and wake up to every day thinking, yes, I get to do this. It's funny how you talked about like how your passion for what you do now came from your parents, like questioning you and just like making you go out to do it yourself. Cause I know for me personally, like, um, I, my parents, like, I used to get so mad at my parents, like, as I got older, not so much as I middle school and a little bit early high school, but, like, later on in high school, I used to get mad because I used to want to go places all the time. And, like, they wouldn't take me places because they'd be working. So I had to, like, go and ride the tarp and stuff. And mm, I just get so tarp. frustrated. Like, I remember, like, seeing, even seeing you in high school, like, I was leader of the student section, but I was, like, would catch the tarp to school and, like, ask around to get a ride back. Like, I would get, like, rides to school, like, every day from these different people. And it, it frustrated me a bit because I was like, man, I'm tired of this. I, I need my own car. I'm tired of people picking me up. I'm tired of, like, just riding the bus. 
So it motivated me to like get a job and eventually join the National Guard and like just becoming like into a man of my of my own and like just figuring things out on, of life. Cause like if I want it, I got to go get it myself. I can't like eventually you have to get out that nest of right. what your parents hold you. And like it's just like when you saying that how like your parents will say, well you want all these things, how you gonna get it? Like mm-hmm. I think a lot, I think it happens to a lot of people too as they get older. They just realize that like they want to get stuff for themselves. And sometimes people don't realize that. Sometimes people do. But it's just, I, I was just that's something that's popping into my head. So I, I heard you mention about your ver- your first business venture when you got here was Life Off You. Yeah. Um, I know you kind of moved past that a little bit. Uh, talk about the process of how you even got to Life Off You and what you did to like even start that up all the way to the end and like some of the other business ventures you're doing right now around campus. Yeah, so Life Off You, I always considered my firstborn child. I remember it was my freshman year. I was dating a girl at this time, and we were staying in a dorm one night, just one random day in April, and she said, you know, what do you want to do? And the only three things I knew what to, how to do here were go to a party, go to the mall, or go to the movies. And that's we didn't feel like, kid yeah, pretty much, yeah, <laughs> right. It's, that's That's all I knew how to do. And the thing is, I'm not even far from Lexington. I'm from Louisville, which, you know, is about an hour down the block. But I might as well have been in China because off these campus borders, I didn't even know what was around here. And I was right. thinking, this has got to be more. I mean, this is not a tiny college campus. This is a campus of 30,000 people in a city of about, I think, 300,000. There's got to be stuff here to do except just party and go to the mall. And I realized as a marketing student, I saw there was a need between students who didn't know what to do and didn't have the money to pay for it and businesses that wanted students to spend their money. And I felt like if I could create a platform that would help bring those two parties together as kind of like a matchmaking service for students looking for things to do and, and businesses that want students to spend money on the things they do with them, I could figure that out. And that's how Life Off You was born. And Life Off You actually come came from a play on words that my dad actually gave me because I remember we were talking about I said, Dad, I have this, this idea for a platform that would help students figure out what to do off campus. He was like, oh, so like living life off university? I was like, hmm. I can do something with that. I can play with that right there. And uh, that turned into life off you. And I did some good work with that. I did it for about two years. I did work with uh, Breakout Games, Sky Zone, Lyft, Republic Bank, and some smaller local companies. Uh, we did about $12,000 in revenue through transactions and brokerage fees, which doesn't sound like a lot, but considering I was only making about a dollar and 40 cents per transaction, it ended up being a pretty big bulk of deals and business that was filtering through the site. And it was just, Great experience. I learned a ton from that. And from that, I was able to launch into these different ventures that I've done. I've moved into a kind of a consultant role for UK and for some local businesses. I'm working as a consultant for the UK Smart Campus and Esports Initiative. And for the people who've listened to this, who have heard a little bit about the esports, basically it's a professional competitive video gaming industry, kind of the same way as the NCAA is for basketball. And UK is developing a pretty strong base for that here. And I've been working with them in terms of corporate partnerships, creating brand identity around how they want to, pro- how do they want to market that to students and position that brand. And overall, just working with them in the business sense. And I'm also working on a tech startup right now called Synergy. And I won't give too much away on what that is yet because it's still in development. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, if I can finally get the pieces to work the way I wanted to, it'd be something that a lot of people would find a lot of value in. And also. And this is really my pride and joy right now, being the president of the Entrepreneurship Club, because it's given me that platform to help empower people and give them motivation and resources, networking, even financial backing sometimes if I have the ability to. And uh, it's 
really just my way of giving back the same way that people have given back to me earlier in my life. So along the way that you like was going on this journey, like from life off you to what you're doing now, I know there was some up and downs. Like as like I said, as personally being as being your roommate, I under, like I seen this like like firsthand, I've seen what you was going through. Tell us about some of the struggles, whether it be physically, mentally, or emotionally, that you endured during that time span, during the time span you have been here uh, at UK so far. Because I know, like, you're about to graduate, and it's, you've been for four years, and you've done a lot. And talk talk to us about, like, what you do. Because some people don't realize, like, some people think that, like, you be success, like being successful don't come with any type of hard times. It's just an easy selling. Like, you can just <laughs> get straight to it, and, like, there's no problems. Like, it's, like, it's no up and down roller coaster in, in the motion of life. So talk to us about like the roller coaster ride that you have been through so far uh during your four year tenure here at UK. Well I'll say for anybody who thinks that hard work is an overnight thing, it's a lot of nights because the overnight success has usually had about ten years of overnighting. Yeah. So it's never that easy. I know when I started life off you the first seven or eight months we weren't even really making any money. I was not prepared for how exhausting and how time consuming it was because I had read books and listened to podcasts about entrepreneurship and I learned how to spell the word and I was like oh I'm an expert now so I'll just start this business and then the business will come and I'll just make money and it'll just be easy and I realized no you're a marketer but you also need to be a website designer and you also need to be a contract negotiator and you need to be a strategic partner with all these different organizations and you need to understand how to make a pro forma and understand your cash flows and if you have this company and you're spending this much on their advertising to get that traction on your website and you have a bounce rate of this how many people do you need to come on the website to make that a net positive transaction and a net positive product to sell basically and that took a really long time for me to figure out and that was during sophomore year when I first started and of course there was a lot going on that time just in my personal life and school with and my other jobs I was working, it was just a lot going on. That was not my best time. And uh, Now, would you would you say there was a lot going on mentally or emotionally during that time? That oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, it was a ton. I was around the end of my relationship at that point because I pretty much was in a relationship from the time I got here until the end of sophomore year. I remember I met this girl, never met her before. She was from Texas. And me and her literally met, like, the day after moving day my freshman year. And we were officially in a relationship the first week of September. So we went quick. And I was with her that whole time. And around that sophomore year time, we were just fizzling out. And we realized that we just went into things so quickly that we didn't even realize that we were compatible. And we just realized that at the end of the relationship. Yeah. But it was that fight to say, well, we don't want it to fizzle out like this. So let's try to make it work. And, you know, you're just taking this round peg and you're shoving it in this square hole and you're just trying to keep jamming it in there because you think if, if I keep pushing it in there, eventually it'll just like curve itself around the hole. And I did that for the longest time and that just didn't work. And that was really bad for my emotional and mental psyche. Then physically, I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't working out as much still as I don't. used to. I still don't. But you gotta tell them that. I'm getting better. I'm getting better about it. And I got these healthy breakfasts. We learn, we learn something every day, man. You learn something every day. Like, every hey, day it's a lesson. I'm 21, you know, I ain't got it all figured yet. We still on this redemption arc. We're still riding it up. Yeah, we still riding up. We still riding up the redemption arc. But it was in school, I moved off campus and I'm not an academic. I graduated high school with like a two point four unweighted GPA. A lot so, of people want to know that. They looking at you now, a lot of people wouldn't expect that. Yeah, but you know, there's actually studies that show that people who tend to be more successful aren't the A students, it's the C students. Yeah. Because they're usually so 
engaged in extracurricular activity that their school suffers, their school academic career suffers a little bit. And there's actual research that backs that. So it's not really something that I go around proudly saying, oh, well, I have a 2.5 GPA. It's not something I'm going to put on my resume. But at the same time, I don't really look at it as being such a negative thing. It's all about perspective. You know, if you're an academic and you're trying to get into grad school or be a PhD student, you know, maybe that's not a good thing. But for me, my grades have never really been the thing that has identified my value. Right. It's always been, what can I do? What are my skills? Can I go in a room and I, can I inspire and influence people? Can I walk in a room of people who are 40 years old with a lot more life and business experience than me and convince them that I'm the guy they need to pay to help them solve the problem that they have? And I feel like that's what my value is. And in the real world, that's the only value that people care about because between you having a 4.0 with no skills and the guy with a 2.5 who does, more often than not, unless you got an in with that guy, you're not going to get picked. So that's really what that's all about. And going back to a question, because we just went on a little bit of a tangent, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there was a lot going on that year. And I wouldn't even say that just that year, because obviously junior year, there was a lot of troubles that year with workload management. You know, I was toxically workaholic. We're actually in Blazer right now. And I used to sleep in this building some nights because I would stay here all night. I was here till 8 a.m. last night, actually, working on stuff. And 8 a.m. this morning. 8 a.m. this morning. <laughs> 8 a.m. this morning. I literally went home, two and a half hour nap, and came here for this podcast. But, you know, I struggle with some things, and I still do. But I think those struggles and the hard times are part of success. And honestly, if somebody could tell me you could have a magic wand to just be good at something automatically without grinding for it, I still probably wouldn't take it. Because I feel like the process of finding success is usually the part about success that makes it feel good. Like there are people who made a lot of money winning the lottery, but they don't value that money or what it can do for them because they didn't work for it. It was just a huge windfall. Yeah. And they spend it stupidly and they just blow it on this and fancy cars, fancy jewelry, nice house, new shoes, new clothes and all that. But a person who works harder for their money and grinds it out and really knows the value of their time of the effort they put into building whatever it is they built, whether it be a professional career, whether it be a business, whether it be a podcast, whether it be an acting career, it doesn't really matter. They recognize that more than the person who was just spoon-fed it on a silver platter. And uh, something that I try to keep in perspective every day. So you're one of those people who, because I, I, I agree with you with that, because in that process of like grinding out and getting to where you want to be in life, you learn not only about the career path you're going on more, but you learn more about yourself. Because like, that's why I was asking like some of the hardships that you developed through your tenure here and just throughout life because the process, and you hear a lot of people talk about it, like a lot of successful people talk about, the process is more fun than the actual success itself. And yet there are like sometimes where it's like you hate it because like, you're just down on your luck and you're just trying and trying, and sometimes you don't see that light in the tunnel. But the more you just keep pushing – the more you forcing that light open to show, and eventually you'll get that shine that you so wanted to, like that you feel that like you, you'll deserve. Because not only have you worked so hard for it, but you'll come to a point where like you're more focused, you're in a better mental state, you'll understand like your career and like yourself more after going through that process of grinding out. Oh yeah, for sure. Just I've learned so much about myself, and I. I'm a really nostalgic person. Like, yeah. in high school, when I was graduating, I was just feeling like, oh, my God, I changed so much from freshman year. I was here. I was this knuckleheaded, hyperactive nerd, no hairline, no style, <laughs> no real substance. I was just trying to find a way to be cool. And then from time 
I was, you know, my first day walking on Louisville Mill High School's campus to the day that I left, and I was just reflecting, and I realized I'm just a totally different person. And it's funny that as you get older and you recognize that you're developing, you keep thinking that this is my final form. And then you keep surprising yourself because as you go through these hardships and these struggles, you learn something about yourself that you didn't even realize you didn't know. And that's how I felt when I was a freshman. I felt like I got it figured out. This is the path I want to take. This is the mindset I have. These are my values. This is what I believe in. And now here I am, you know, about four months out from graduation, I'm looking at my freshman self and thinking, who is this kid? Yeah. What's his problem? What's his deal? Because I wouldn't say I'm a different person, but I would say I'm the same person, but just with a little bit more life experience to you pat on top of that. I've just, I've taken this foundation that I already had, right? Mm -hmm. And I just built on it. So I'm still the same at my core, but the exterior's changed a little bit. You know, we've added a little floor here. And we might have added a space over there. And we Reno realized we renovated that, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we we just renovated. We cleaned up a little bit. Yeah. We had to clean it up. Knock out some cobwebs. Yeah, you know, knock out you know, knock out some cobwebs. Repaint the walls. Bust, buff out those scratches. <laughs> and now I'm looking at myself fix and those thinking, hinges. right, you know, fix those hinges. You know, knock out that wall over there that really doesn't deserve to be there. Like, why are you in my building? This is the dingy little wall. It can't support me. So why is it here? Yeah. Let's knock that out of here. We got to get that. That's got to go. And now. I'm looking at myself, and again, I'm looking at the building and thinking, this is a nice building. But just like architecture, it changes every day with the times as the economy changes, as my circle changes, as my desires, my value sets, my morality and my ethics and what I believe in changes. And every day I got to go back in there and renovate. And I love that process because I learn something more about myself every day. And usually, often, more often than not, I learned something that is positive and moves me in the right direction versus vice the other way around. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, I clearly agree. Cause like I said, growing, like going throughout my three years being here, because like, granted, you do graduate this year. I graduate next semester. Like just going throughout that time, because that same process of where you thought like you had it all figured out your first year here, like I, I had that same amount of process too. Because like, me being one year removed, I'm like coming from the National Guard, like taking a year off doing training and stuff. I'm thinking, I got my, I'm gonna be this. I already know what I'm gonna do. Blah blah blah. But it, it took me, to me, be down my luck mentally and emotionally to like realize, like hold on, like I have to evolve still and still change because there's just a certain mindset you go into things that you might not come out with the same mindset at the end of life, like of when you just. In a certain tenure that you had a certain place, like as you said yourself, like when you come, when you came here your freshman year versus who you are now, you are the same person at your core, but you changed some things. And that's this is a learning process, not that you don't even experience not even just in college, but like just in this age that we at, like we're still developing. Like our mind hasn't even been fully developed yet. We're not even mm -hmm. like the mind just stops developing at age twenty five. That's still like four years from now or, or right. three years from now for us. Like and for people our age that's going through that process of like just still like figuring them like figuring themselves out and like still like just trying to figure out their footing on life like it's a process like you're not gonna have it figured out immediately like some people think and that's I feel like that's sometimes a problem with social media just in this age we live in with technology oh definitely people think that like they see somebody get successful and like you said they think it's an overnight success mm -hmm. when really it's not like it's a really it's a process and some people like we'll we'll see like even like what artists. And some athletes, because we see them at, in the spotlight at such a young age. 
we'll see them go through their evolution in front of our faces because they're in the spotlight and the cameras and just the life and society in general is, is like heavy on them. And we see them, like if you listen to some people, some people's music, you see the way some athletes talk and some people that's in, just in, in the business of just entertainment or just in general. Mm-hmm. You see them evolving in front of our eyes and, and it's hard. And I think now like people are starting to realize that more because more of uh, mental health and just self-awareness of just who people are is coming more and more prevalent in today's society because it is a process. And that's just something like I harped on, especially now, and just because something I had to realize that because, I mean, yeah, we realize changes as we get older. We realize, like, some, some things that we do from, like, granted from when we was in elementary school to middle school and to high school and to now, but, like, the more that we got older, the more we realized these changes, the more we be- became able to identify these problems and to, like, talk about and just evolve and know the things that we like and what we don't like. It's, like I said, it's an ever-growing process. I know I, 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 I kind of talked to you about, like, what you did your freshman year, and <coughs> I, I wanted you to, like, continue on more so, like, past that the the struggles you was going through with your ex-girlfriend. Like, uh, what other struggles did you have you endured, like, whether it be with your business ventures or just throughout, like I said, the rest of your tenure here, like past sophomore year. Like, just talk to us more about that as well. I would say the biggest challenge has always been a balance of work life. Yeah. That's something that people, you included, always get on me about. Yeah, I was, I was a big proponent on that because I'll let you go ahead. Just go ahead. Yeah, but um, it's just been something that I've struggled with a lot because I look up to people like Kobe or Gary V or these people who say just work, 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 work. If you have a goal and every waking second isn't moved in the direction of achieving that goal then it's wasted time Mm -hmm. and I'm a big believer in that especially last year and I felt like any moment I was awake I need to be chasing this goal so there's no time for self-care sometimes it's not time for eating or sleeping or hanging out with friends or even taking a break to watch a movie or just relax Everything has to be towards that. So it means reading a book. It means going to a conference call. It means hopping on a conference call. It means going to a networking event. It means studying the craft. It means developing new skills. And I would do that every day, every waking moment, to the point that I would just be exhausted. And I would sleep in this building just so I can make sure that I optimize my time because that time between transporting myself from here to my apartment and then back was so wasted time. And... That's something I've still struggled with. I'm getting a lot better now because my perspective has changed a little bit where I recognize that you can't pour out of an empty cup. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're not robots. And if you just keep going full speed all the time, it's just like even an Olympic runner. You know, like I remember when I ran track, I used to run the 400. And I remember I would start the race in a dead sprint and I would be blowing out everybody because by the time I hit the 200, the 200 meter line I was just sprinting the whole way I was in like 25 seconds and I was killing everybody they were like 50 meters behind me I was thinking oh yeah easy dub but I had gone so hard in the beginning that in the middle I lost so much gas I ended up coming in last in that race and I was thinking well that doesn't make any sense why did I lose I went harder than everybody else they said well you went so hard that you fizzled out you burnt out you didn't pace yourself and I'm starting to learn that pace is more important than speed. It's a marathon, not a sprint, man. Exactly. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if because there's two things that are important 
in being successful, there's consistency and there's intensity. Now, for me, I always thought intensity was the most important thing. Like, go hard. When you're in the gym, when you're working on something, when you're doing anything, you need to go all in all day. And that was just all intensity, all effort, all just foot on the gas. Go, 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 100 miles an hour. But I realize now as I've matured that intensity is important. You still need an aspect of intensity because that's kind of what gets you up out of bed and that's what makes the time that you spend working on something worthwhile. But what's more important is consistency. Just like the typical person, they'll start something and for the first week, two weeks, month, maybe even three months, they'll go so hard at it and then it won't work the way they wanted it to and that intensity fades and at that point, it's not a game of intensity. It's a game of consistency. Like, are you going to be willing to go and work on this podcast when you're not, when you're only getting like 15 views or 20 listens? Which we won't. We're going to get a lot more than that. But in the case <laughs> of that were to happen, if you were to consistently do this every week and for the first seven to 12 times you did this, you only got like 20 to 30 viewers and you had like one or two comments and maybe 50 likes on Instagram, how consistent are you going to be at that because intensity is when you have a big audience when you first start and you get a hundred likes and people are commenting saying, i love this i love this i love this that's how i started with me with life off you like i made my first promo video saying i'm launching this business and i got a lot of traction a lot of engagement and i had like 20 comments people saying yeah george do it do it do it and then by october that year all the people who were excited for me had just fizzled out and said well eh, it's old news what else you got and you just got to keep evolving to keep that consistent intensity yeah. in what you're doing. And a lot of people don't have that. So I'm trying to figure out how to find a perfect balance between that consistency of doing things constantly, but lowering my intensity of still going hard enough to do a good job and come out a better person and develop some skills, develop whatever it is I'm working on, but not to the point that by the time I hit that 200, I got nothing left. Yeah, and just finding that balance in between, like you said, that consistency and intensity. Because like you said, like, that was my problem the first time I did this podcast, like, two years ago. Like, I was putting it out every week or every couple of days or so. That's what I was talking about, like, wrestling and basketball at that time. Mm. And I had I had a good little start with it. Like, I'm having a good little start right now with this one. But, like, like you said, it, it, I was putting out, I think I put out, like, what, 12 or 13 episodes of that last podcast. And eventually I fizzled out because it was – I think to me, I didn't like how the reception I was getting because I thought I was gonna get more reception. Like I thought I was gonna get more people to watch, more people yeah. was gonna pay attention. Like I thought, like I just thought I was gonna blow up so quick. And it goes back to that last one where you talked about like how life is just a process. I didn't understand that at that time. So with this one, I I came. I had to like have a conversation with myself because like this is stuff I want to do anyway. So it's like I don't I don't care. Like yeah, people gonna like it right now, but give it. 10 weeks from now when I'm still doing it. Never going to forget about it. That's how it happened with Life Off You. The first five to eight months I did that, I was seeing maybe like 100 visitors on our website for an entire month. I wasn't making any money. The companies I was working with saying, you know, George, we need you to deliver. Like, we're not paying you. 
at a charity. This isn't a 501c3. This is a for-profit organization. If you want to keep getting paid, you need to do the work. Yeah. And I figured, oh, I have this thing, and it's so great, and it's so cool. Why doesn't everybody love it the same way they did when they first heard of it? And it's just like how it is with anything. You buy a new pair of shoes, and it's just the hottest thing, and you want to wear it with every fit, and you're going to find a way to make that magenta go with green or this and that. <laughs> and then one day... You just look at it and say, eh, it's old news. What else I got? Let me go yeah. find a new pair of shoes somewhere else. And people are fickle like that. You know, consumers, just be honest, they're fickle. They really just don't care about you as far as what you do for them. Like, as soon as the value of what you're doing for them has diminished even a little bit, their interest just wanes. And they're always looking for that new shiny object for you starting your podcast. But then next week, somebody's going to start a taco truck, and that guy's going to start a clothing brand, and this and that. And the attention is just going to keep flipping from one person to the next person to the next person. And if you're good at what you do, you can find a way to keep them interested enough in you that they keep coming back. But especially when you first start now, and there's that learning curve of trying to figure out how do I do that, that people are just not going to care. Yeah. And you got to be able able to weather that storm of people's apathy for what you think is great. Yeah, good point, man. Good point. I want to go uh, go back into a point because I know we talked about like some of the business ventures that you uh, you're doing now. Now, when you first started here uh, at UK, did you see yourself being involved with as many organizations that you are involved with? Like I know you're the, the president of the Entrepreneurship Club here. Mm -hmm. I know that, like like I said, you were starting a little bit on Synergy and you did life off you. Um, did you see yourself doing all these things when you first got here? Honestly, I did. I remember that when I first got here, the very first thing I did was go on UK's website and just look at all the organizations or departments that would be interesting to me. And I tried my best to reach out to every single one of them. No lie, I remember when I moved in, this is before classes even started, I heard somebody tell me that, because actually what's funny enough is that I used to actually work out of this building because before it was kind of this, you know, makeshift comm college. It used to be where the student center operations were before they built the new one, of course. Yeah. And I lived across the street at Jewel Hall called Champions Court 1 when I was there. And I remember, I don't remember who told me this, but somebody told me that, oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people who work for the university in that building across the street. And I remember the next day I woke up early, like 8 in the morning, printed out some resumes. I just walked around and knocked on doors and handed them to everybody I saw, like janitors, other students, people I thought were professors or faculty or staff, whatever. I just handed them out to everybody. And that's actually how I got my first job as an event coordinator, which actually ended up leading me to be an event coordinator for the student center when they actually built the new building. And then from there, I tried to get involved with all these Gatton clubs, and that's where I found the gap in uh, desire for entrepreneurship and not having a student-led organization that revolves around it. And I decided, you know, let me go ahead and start this. And I couldn't say that I saw myself doing things at the level I am. I mean, getting asked by UK – to go to Apple's headquarters in San Francisco on their dime to help them design an app and then help them with these corporate partnerships with these big blue chip Fortune 500 companies. I couldn't have ever told you I saw myself doing that, but I knew that I was going to try to. Mm -hmm. So you, you, like I said, you had, like just talking about from when you lived across the street, you like it, it's apparent that you had that mindset of like you was going to do something and you just had that vision, like just waking up early. 8 a.m. just to come across the street and just hand your resume out to anybody. Like, that that showed that you had, like, that drive just to, like, you just wanted to do something. Like, how, 
who was even a person that even picked up your resume and decided, hey, I want to give you a job? Like, who was it? Like, yeah, it was this guy. So it's funny now because me and him had a big falling out last year. You, you're familiar. Yeah. You're kind of responsible. <laughs> but we're not gonna get into that right now. But I yeah, remember it turned, out, it turned out for the better. You are. Yeah. Right no, it, it's one of those things that was a net positive. But in the moment, I wanted to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I was walked in, and the guy who ended up being my boss for the event coordinating job at the student center, I walked by his office. And I remember he was actually walking out of his office mm-hmm. around that time. And he was walking the same direction I was walking. So I had to, like, bust it out a little bit just to catch him. And I, it was it was a really awkward handoff. Like, have you all been seeing those memes about how you practice passing this to somebody or whatever? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, slide like that. Mm-hmm, yeah, laminated. Yeah, that's right. And it was pretty much like that where I had to go up to him and find a way to as casually as possible just say, hey, here's a resume. Don't know what you would ever want to do with it. And he was like, oh, well, this looks like a good resume. And it really wasn't. I'm looking at that resume, and it was terrible. But I, I, was, mean, in, but yeah. I was a freshman in high school. I mean, yeah. who has a good resume coming out of high school? Right. But the fact that I was just there making that effort was enough for him to give me that interview, and then I got the job. And that's the biggest thing I would say to anybody, because people ask me all the time, you know, how, George, how do I get started doing this stuff? You know, you've done some cool stuff, and I want to do stuff like that too. And I'd say, whoa, I didn't come from a lot of money. I didn't come from people who were geniuses. I didn't come to Lexington with connections. It was all about just being present. At our age, nobody expects us to know anything. If you do know things, you're automatically on a tier of, higher than 99.9% of people. But really more than anything, they just want effort. They want to know that if they say they'll be here at this place at this time, you actually show up ready to go. Or if there's an event going on downtown around acting or podcasting or sports personalities or business, in my case, if you show up, you're going to be the only college kid that's there. I go to events all the time, and I'm the only person below the age of 30 that's there. And even if I have nothing of value to add to anybody there they just want me to succeed because they don't see a lot of young people who are willing to take chances and be present and if you can find a way to be present then you're golden and if you can match that presence with skills and with credentials to back it up i mean sky's the limit yeah and just taking that risk because i know that's like kind of the big thing for a lot of people is just like I know, especially for me at first, it was just it's scary sometimes just to take that risk and like to and to take that jump. But like usually, you taking that risk and taking that jump is usually what leads to better and happier days and you being successful. Because life is not, especially if you want if you want to live like a better life, life is not the best when you don't take a risk. Sometimes, especially when you're trying to pursue a career that you want to do, like yeah, sometimes take a little risk. It makes sure it be a calculator risk, right? Not just like I'm a, not saying don't <laughs> leverage your house or take out extra loans, yeah. to start an underwater basket weaving university or something like that. Like, yeah. think a little bit. But if you have something you want to take a chance on, and there is a realistic chance that if you put your effort into it, it could be partially successful. And success is a subjective term because some people's success is I sold this company for a million dollars. For me. Success for life off you was just the fact I made a profit and I learned a ton and I use it as a leverage 
as leverage to move into new work and to learn new skills that I could take into my next venture. Life of You was never going to be the next Microsoft or Apple. It was always going to be this thing that I would make a little bit of money, learn, meet people, and then take those, that network, those skills, that money, and roll it into the next thing. And it really just makes me think about um, a quote that Kobe said, you know, a couple years ago. We're saying, if you're afraid to fail, you're probably going to. Because when you have this fear of failure, that clouds your judgment. You're so afraid of failure that you don't want to go all in. Because if you feel like if you fall down on your face, people will laugh at you or you'll go broke or this or that. And that fear of failure is so crippling that if you can find a way to go into something without having any fear, then fear can't cripple you. You'll just go into it with extreme confidence. Confidence. You'll be loose. You'll be agile. You'll be sharp. You won't be thinking about what could go wrong if I move from this spot to that spot. You'll be thinking, why wouldn't I move from this spot to that spot? And that's something that I try to keep in perspective for any new thing I go into. That's, what's, that's dope, man. Um, when it's all said and done, what do you hope to accomplish? I want to create generational wealth for my family. I want my great-great-grandkids to be eaten off of the work that I did in my time. I want to be able to say that I've empowered young entrepreneurs to feel like they have the ability and the knowledge to pursue whatever their desire is. I want to be able to say that when I'm gone, people will remember me. It won't be that I was a high and by on the timeline of humanity. And maybe it won't be global. It might not be national. It might not even be regional. But even if it's just local, even if it's just in my nuclear family, if I die and people think of me fondly maybe even just one person maybe it's just my significant other my kids or maybe it's just my mom or that one crazy guy that I met going down to Canes I gave two dollars to because he was on the street asking for money and I actually gave it to him and everybody else drove past him if one person will think wow he's gone and feel sad I think that's a life worth living that's, that's, that's powerful man I think I think a lot of people I know me especially like just should strive to like leave an impact on the world and like like you said, leave an impact on people's mind. Um, what is something you want to tell to your younger self? I want to tell them, don't take things for granted. Life is ephemeral. It's short. Work hard. Grind as much as you have to and find success in what you love to do. But take the time to cherish these moments because you tr you tried to grow up so fast and it's successful you're eating off of that but at the same time I'm looking back and I didn't have some of the same memories that other people did when I was in high school or in college I didn't get the chance to say things to people that I wanted to say um, I have regrets about some of that so sometimes it's okay to take the foot off the gas pace yourself and enjoy the moment I would also say be riskier because even I feel like I haven't taken as many risks as I should have. Even now, I don't really have a lot of regrets with life off you because I feel like I found a lot of success and learned. But even sometimes I think, uh, if I had just done this one thing differently, maybe it would have turned out a little bit better. No, 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 no real regrets. I don't wake up in cold sweats at four in the morning thinking, oh, I wish I had just done that one thing. But just take more chances, open yourself up more, and, you know, just be out there just go out there and, and live life a little bit cherish the moments because they are fleeting uh appreciate that's, that's, that's actually very powerful right there um i know 
you have on a Kobe jersey right now. I know what Kobe Bryant's meant to you over the years. Um, as we wrap up the show right here, you what are your thoughts or anything you want to share? Quick little thoughts that we ha- that you have about Kobe Bryant. <sighs> There's a lot I can say about Kobe. You know this. I've been talking about it all week. So I'll just say one thing. That when I heard about his death, and it was about this time last week, it was just all the phases of grief and dealing with a really hard thing that they say is that denial and there's that acceptance and there's this anger. And then you just have to process that and move on. And the first couple of days, it was just sad. I mean, I couldn't really function. I went to class. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't reach out to anybody. I didn't work on any of the stuff I needed to during that time. I was pretty much just taking some time off. And then Tuesday, we had this vigil, and it was beautiful. The vibes were just so supportive, and everybody was there. And that was my first moment since I'd heard about what happened, that I wasn't mourning his death, and I was actually celebrating his life. And that's really important with situations like that, that a lot of times you can get caught up in the thing that makes you sad. But you got to think about the things that made you so happy that you would even feel sad. Because in physics, they say that there's an equal and opposite reaction for every action. And so to feel sadness, there must therefore be happiness and just joy and jubilation that something brings. Like you don't feel sad about somebody that you don't feel some kind of happiness or feeling of gratitude towards. And I think that all this pain and suffering that people are going through, not only with myself, but in L.A., in the nation, globally, really, the only reason that people would feel that way is because Kobe has found a way to impact people that he never talked to, that he wouldn't even know from Joe Blow down the street, in a way that makes them feel so distraught. And more than anything, I'm just grateful to say that I had somebody who could impact my life in a way that makes me feel this way. That's good. Well, George, I'm glad to call you a friend, a brother, a guy that I grew up with and knowing all my life. There's big things coming for you in your future, man. I appreciate you coming on this show, being my first guest. It it wouldn't be right without you being the first guest and being on this show. Like I couldn't I couldn't do the show without without not having you on there. Um, I appreciate you for coming, man. Thank you for sharing your your thoughts and your words of wisdom with me and the world. Uh, appreciate you, man. Hey, no problem, man. I'm looking forward to being on Supper at Cinema because you know I'm a movie buff. <laughs> Part time movie. You gonna eat with buff. me too? Huh? I mean, I don't know that bourbon Toulouse you had the other day was looking a little suspect. <laughs> it was, but, but I've been, but good. I've been, but I've been. You know, know it's good. good. You know it's good. But even when you showed me the video, I was thinking, I mean, do you have to have a close up? Because <laughs> you gonna cost them some business, big dog. <laughs> You gonna it's, cause him some business. Good. That look like y'all, that look good. like mystery meat from high school lunch on Thursday <laughs> nights. Like that. The food, the food is good. It may not look appealing. It, it actually is good. But like, for it's real, real, for it's real. real good. It actually is good. A lot of Louisiana style food look like it anyway. So I, that's that's I don't that's know a why. We're that's, just not used to that. Uh, from that's the crap that Zion been eating. No wonder he looks so damn big. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, George. Thank you all for joining us for the first episode. How you doing? Um, yeah, we're done here. Peace, Peace. out. R.P. Kobe.